Uh, we're, again, just diving into Advent, and uh, um, I just want to start, really, by reading a text. Um, so if you have your Bible, um, open with me to Romans. I think this text just uh, helps us jump right in, so no better place to start than with the scriptures this morning. Romans chapter 13, uh, beginning at verse 11 and reading through verse 14. Let's stand together as I read it, can we? And uh, uh, at the end, I'll say this is the word of the Lord, and you can say thanks be to God. Just a brief few verses, but uh, boy, this just really catches it and captures it well for us. So hear this well as we uh, dive into this season of Advent. There at uh, Romans 13, verse 11. This is all the more urgent. For you know how late it is. Other translations say, you know what time it is. The time is running out. Wake up. For our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Well, I uh, reading this text, it uh, the part that instantly jumped out to me was the charge to wake up, wake up, and uh, probably some good words for us to hear this morning on a, after a long week and uh, some rainy days and maybe some. What's the, what's the chemical in Turkey that makes you sleepy? Tryptophan. Yeah, maybe some tryptophan hangover going on even here today. Wake up! What, what an important instruction for us to hear as we head into this Advent season. And any time I kind of hear that or I think about waking up, I instantly think of, of a story of, um, of, of waking up. And actually, my daughter is taking 7.25 a.m. classes four days a week. And I feel like I need to, you know, call her every morning at 7.22 to make sure she's on her way to class. But she seems to be doing okay. But I had 7.30 classes a lot when I was in college. But I remember one time in particular, my freshman year, and I was in a room with three other people, four, four of us in the room, and one roommate in particular was on academic probation. And, uh, you know, you all know what academic probation is. He hadn't had the greatest of GPAs coming in, but was a good kid and seemed like he'd have some success. So they welcomed him in, but they gave him a certain kind of a certain classes that he had to take to kind of get warmed up to what it was like to be a student there. And and, uh, and, and he had to do well in them in order to stay for the second 
semester. I'll never forget it because this one particular morning, his alarm clock went off. And then it went, on, it, it went off as in it went on. And then he turned it off. And then nine minutes later, it went on again. And then off, and then on. And you know what I'm talking about. You've all hit the snooze button before, right? We know, we're familiar. And he hit it maybe four or five times. He was, he was not doing well. And I just, I remember, I was not doing well either because I didn't have an early morning class that morning. And I just remember kind of rolling over. I was like, Wayne, shut your alarm off or get up. And this is fairly early in the semester. I had just gotten to know him. But I wasn't real happy. And he was like, ah. And he just reached over and he hit it again. And I said, hey, man, do you, are you supposed to be in class? He goes, yeah, but I don't need to go. And I was like, well, what class is it? Literally, literally these were his words. It's only intro to college. <laughs> I loved it. I, I rolled back over. Even as an 18-year-old freshman, I was just relishing the irony of that moment. Here he is, his intro to college class, and he's sleeping right through it. Wake up! And I wonder, as we step and move into this Advent season, how easy it could be for us to sleep right through with the busyness of all the things that are going on around us. And even... The urgency that so many things seem to be calling for from us. Uh, how easy it would be for us to misplace our urgency. Or, or to simply kind of be numbed uh, to what's going on as we make our way through this season. Well, like an alarm clock going off amidst this slumber, Advent is this abrupt interruption into our ordinary time. And this is actually in the Christian calendar what we've been in for the last several months is what's known as ordinary time. Ordinary time, passing through the ordinary days of our lives. And now Advent comes with this abrupt interruption. It literally means, as we've talked about through the years, the word Advent literally means coming. And we, we think about, particularly in these day, days and weeks of the Christian year, the different ways in which Christ comes to us. And we celebrate and, we'll, and we anticipate the celebration of, of remembering Jesus' birth, the way that he came to us as a baby born in Bethlehem. And we also, during this time, we'll, we'll think uh, and we'll reflect on what it means for Jesus to come to us even right now through the presence and the power of his Holy Spirit. And we we just believe that. Jesus said, if I, I got to go away so the Spirit can come. And he said, I will go away, and the Father will send a comforter. The Father will, will send the, the, the Holy Spirit. And we celebrate how Jesus comes to us through his Spirit. And then as our students read, we also are very mindful during the season of Advent of the, the, the anticipation of Christ's coming again in glory. At the end of the age, when he comes to set all things right. And so at least these three levels, we remember the coming of Jesus and we look forward to it. But we also just know that it's not just a, a new season of, of the year, but this is the start of a new year. 
I know on our calendars, January 1 marks the new year, but in the church, the season of Advent marks the new year. And we believe that what we, what we mark as new on the calendar actually marks something spiritual in our hearts and lives. We believe that not only is this a new day on the calendar, but it's, a, it's an opportunity to experience newness in our lives. We're always, every year, on the brink of something utterly new, something full of possibility, something beautiful as we enter into the season of Advent. So I hope we're warming up to it. One writer said it like this. He said, Advent invites us to awaken from our numbed endurance and our domesticated expectations to consider life afresh in light of new gifts that God is about to give. Awaken to, uh, to, to, to considering life afresh in light of new gifts that God's about to give. It's this sense that Paul's picking up on here in the passage that we've read from Romans. This, this sense that it's, it's a good thing to wake up. It's a good thing to get on with the day. It's a good thing to, to get even ahead of the day. This is the image, really, that controls this entire paragraph that, that I read for us here. This person who is awakening at the dawn. This decisive moment, this divinely appointed final hour has come. It's time to wake up from our slumber. Paul says, he, 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 he can understand this. He figures it out. Our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. And that can be said at any day and at any time. Our salvation is nearer now for us as well than it was when we first believed. And every day that passes, from the time when Paul wrote this to the time when we live today, it's nearer now. It'll be nearer tomorrow. The day of this full and final salvation is nearer every day. I, uh, I was at my cousin's house a few weeks ago up in Idaho visiting some family up there for a few days. And uh, I, I don't know if it was the day of travel or, or what uh, led to this, but I slept really, really well. Maybe they just have a nice guest bed. I don't know what it was, but I slept really, really well. And maybe some of you have had this happen to you. When, you, when you're sleeping somewhere other than your own bed, your own room, and I woke up in the morning, and I had no idea where I was. Has that ever happened to you? I, I woke up, and I thought, I'm, I, I think I'm at home. And I looked over, and there was no one laying next to me. My wife was not there. And I began to realize as I kind of gazed around in the room, the surroundings around me, that this was not my room. And then I began to remember that I had been on an airplane the day before. And it, the pieces began to come together. The fog began to lift. And I began to remember and realize just where I was. Anybody have similar experiences to waking up, especially in different places? Some of you are like that, even in your own room, you know, your own bed. I mean, let's just be honest. Waking up, I mean, I think the song is breaking up is hard to do, but... Um, Waking up is hard to do for, for most of us, right? 
Some of you are like, let's go. You just, I mean, the alarm clock goes off, your internal clock goes off, and you're awake, and you're re- or your, your child starts screaming, or whatever it is, and, and you, you got to go. It's time to go. But others of you, for whatever reason, it's just a slower process. This whole process of, of waking up, it's a challenge, but it's so important for us. I don't really believe, and scholars don't necessarily believe that Paul thought that the Roman Christians here were morally lax or that they were kind of backsliding or that they were lethargic in their Christian life, that they weren't good and faithful followers of Jesus. Most most don't believe that he had this sense, especially after what he's written to them throughout this passage or throughout this entire letter to them. It wasn't that he was he was uh, trying to scold them or kind of come down on them in any way that they were doing it wrong and you got to do this and you got to do that. Most think that really what he's doing here is he's just reminding them of what they already knew. He's reminding them that, that hey, you're, you're the people of God. You've been baptized into this faith. You, you share the Lord's Supper together. You, you are the body of Christ. You have been brought into this incredible family of faith. And now you live with this hope of full and final salvation at uh, the return of Christ. It, it isn't necessarily Paul saying, turn things around, Romans, or you're going to be in trouble. It isn't Paul saying to us, turn things around, people, or you're going to get in trouble because salvation is nearer today than it ever has been before, and you're going to get it. No, it's, hey, salvation is nearer than ever before. Don't miss this moment. Don't miss this moment to live a life loyal to the one who has saved you. Don't miss this moment to live into all the fullness of the life that God desires to give to you. Don't miss this. Don't miss out on what God has promised to you. Don't let another day pass kind of sleepily making your way through this life as opposed to recognizing and grabbing hold of all that God has in mind for you. It kind of Reminds me a little bit, as my kids, here they are down here. Guys, you just by the way, you've given me so many sermon illustrations over the years. I'm just so thankful. And when you're both here together, it just, uh, what would a, you know, it, I don't know where I would be. Uh, but it, it kind of makes me think, seriously, of uh, back when our, these guys were much smaller. I know, I hate to get, I, I hate it, but I love it, because this is just so true. When, when, when I was, when these guys were younger, I pretty much signed off on Sunday afternoon naps. Um, and we try, I tried to let Kyla get uh, back to our bedroom for a Sunday afternoon nap, um, but I, I quickly realized that for some of you, you know, that's a really sacred thing for you. Some of you are like, why would you take a nap on Sunday afternoon? But for some people, that's just a, a, a wonderful thing to do. And uh, it, it just, I quickly realized that that was not going to be a reality in my household when our kids were younger. Now, Katie had a 
chance to nap from time to time. But Thomas, he, I mean, you, some of you knew this kid when he was little. He actually had a t-shirt that had the word naps written on it with a circle and a red line drawn through it. Um, which we have a picture of him taking a nap with that t-shirt on. I'll show it to you sometime. <clears throat> but, but we would watch some sports on the TV and be on the couch. And Thomas just had like this, I don't know, this, this awareness of my, uh, like the moment when I would start to fall asleep. And that would be like a, a signal to him not to like, you know, say my name or kind of elbow me. It would be the signal to pounce on me and to make sure that I was not going to fall asleep to that golf on the TV. I mean, that's why golf was created, to help you take a Sunday afternoon nap. I'm pretty sure that's why the game was invented. Um, but it, there, was, there was no chance. And I, remember, I, don't, I don't remember how many times this happened, but it was... It was enough that it sticks out in my mind. I would just be dozing off and suddenly, boom, something would happen. It would be a physical presence in my life uh, awakening me. And I remember in those, those moments, I seriously thought about this. And I, I remember thinking, well, you know what? I could just like stuff him in his room and make him take a nap. Um, or I could... And then I could take one too. Or I could sort of realize that, you know, these Sunday afternoons are not going to last forever. And there's going to be a time, and thankfully there has come a time when Thomas no longer jumps on me when I start to fall asleep. That would be a very dangerous proposition. But I remember thinking that these times are not going to last forever. You know what? For whatever reason, whether he wants to stay awake or he wants me to stay awake, we're staying awake and we're going to just kind of soak up this, this moment. And by the way, that's not a guilt trip to any dad to just take a nap because <laughs> I'm sure I did some of that uh, along the way as well. But as parents, those of you who are parents, you know this, right? You know these these fleeting moments when you think to yourself, wait a second, that kid's not going to be nine forever. That kid's not going to be 14 forever. Sooner or later, they're going to be gone. I do not, I don't want to, I need to write this down. I need to take a picture. Somebody get some video because this moment isn't going to last forever. I think that's what Paul's saying to the Romans here. This, this is a moment and it's drawing the, the end is drawing closer, and there will come a time when Jesus returns, and final and full salvation is available, and we enter into that rest. But there's this moment when, 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 when actually God has already begun something new. He, he sent Jesus, who lived and died and was raised again. He sent his Spirit. And while Paul would say, and uh, he, he would kind of, think to us that there's this old world that is, help us think that there's this old world that's kind of rumbling on and most people are kind of ordering their lives in accordance with that old world. There is also a new world that has already begun in Jesus. 
There's this new world that has begun with the resurrection of Christ, this new age that has begun. And those who follow Jesus are invited to live in to that moment and that reality even now. Paul's saying, don't wait for Jesus to come again to start. Jesus came already and he's been raised from the dead and we've been invited to live this new life even now. Don't miss this moment, this present moment, this opportune moment, this blessed moment for growing and becoming all that God would have us to be even, even now. It's daytime. It's, it's still, it's a perfect metaphor. It's a perfect image because actually it's dawn. There's still the, there's still the old darkness kind of holding on from the nighttime, but there's this new day that is dawning. So Paul says, live like it. Nighttime is when people do all these other things that he talked about. Um, I, I, I'm struck often by the kinds of lists that Paul and other biblical writers come up with. Um, sexual immorality, uh, drunkenness, immoral living. And then I love it when they do this. They toss in like quarreling and jealousy. It's like some of us were like the first three were like, yep, got that, got that, got that. Oh, quarreling, Urgh. jealousy, what? I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by these lists. These, these are the kinds of things Paul says that happen in the dark. These are the kinds of things that happen at night. Let's put aside these tools of darkness. Let the alarm clock ring. Prepare for the day's activity. Take off the night clothes and put on the work clothes. Be dressed for, for living a life for God. Uh, the new clothing that uh, Paul instructs us to put on there in verse 14 simply says this, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Take off all this, this list of things, but instead of a new list of good things, he just says, put on Jesus. Put on Christ. Clothe yourself in, in, in Jesus. Um, struck by this idea of what it means to, to put, on, put on Jesus. I know we talked about this before, but I'm thinking maybe this might even be a discipline or a practice that some of you might want to engage in during this season of Advent as we think about what it means to wake up. Maybe every morning it might just be a simple process of of as you awaken, to let your mind first of all drift to Jesus. And I guess drift isn't the right word there. May your mind intentionally go to Jesus. Because <laughs> our minds will drift all sorts of other places. But what if we were to practice during the season of Advent, this idea of as we awaken, as we, as we come from from dark into light on each daily basis that we would, we would think about what it means to clothe ourselves with Jesus. And we might just begin to think about some of the things that we know about Jesus. We might think about some of the stories that we've read about Jesus, some of the ways that he interacted with people, some of the ways that he 
gave of himself, some of the sacrifices that he made, some of the, the expressions of love that he demonstrated. And what might it look like if we were to think about Jesus, to let our minds intentionally go to Jesus and begin to, to put on some of those same characteristics to ourselves, as if we were clothing ourselves with this armor of light as we awaken on a, on a daily basis? What if we were to wake up and, and think of the compassion of Jesus and just to, to, to think about what it would look like to, to put on the compassion of Jesus into our own hearts and into our own lives for that day? What if we were to, to, to think about the sacrificial love of Jesus as we began these days of Advent and began to think particularly about what it would look like to kind of fill our minds and to to place onto our bodies this sacrificial love. And so as we would enter into these different sorts of circumstances and contexts throughout the day, that that might be the way that we react and the way that we respond into those situations and those um, circumstances. Might we make this conscious, deliberate effort, not drifting, (laughs) intentional, to clothe ourselves not miss this moment, not miss this opportunity. We have been uh, freed from a, uh, a life of sin, Paul has said in other places here in Romans, and makes it very clear here. We've been freed, the gift of the Holy Spirit, this new, this new world that God has set into, into motion has given us the the ability through the gift of the Holy Spirit to live a life that is not destined to sinfulness. We have the possibility through the grace of God to to hear this command and to respond to it, clothe ourselves with Jesus. And even this very last one there in verse 14, don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Don't let yourself think about it. You see, as we're clothing ourselves with Jesus, as we're putting on his way not only of acting, but his way of thinking, then we're not allowing our minds to go into these different directions. The expression that's translated there, don't let yourself think, is literally the words say, do not make plans. (laughs) Do not make plans for evil. And I think most of us would say, that's that's not my intention. That's that's not me. I'm not signed up for that. But how often we can find ourselves doing just that. I mean, maybe it's not strategic. Maybe it's not writing down a 10-step plan to, to indulge our evil desires. You know, that's not what it is. But we would say that if we don't have a plan to move in the opposite direction of clothing ourselves with Jesus, then perhaps we are, in, in a sense, making a plan to indulge our sinful desires. This new world is here. This time in between the times, it's not yet fully here, but it has begun and we're invited to live into it. So the question for us amidst all this is, are we allowing the coming of Christ to shape our hearts and lives? Are we allowing the the fact that Jesus has come and that he will come again, that he comes to us even now to impact the decisions that we're making? Are we 
awakening to the dawn that's already begun in Jesus' resurrection? Or are we still asleep? Are we still in the night? This age of darkness, this age of light, which are we attuned to? Let's believe and pray and be confident that that God's going to help us not to miss this moment, this season of Advent, and this longer season of the life of discipleship. And, and this morning, as we enter into the season, we get to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And what a great way to, to sort of uh, have an alarm clock go off in our hearts and in our minds as we come to the, the table of the Lord today. As we receive the bread and as we dip it into the cup and are mindful of the blood of the, the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus, what a wonderful moment for us to kind of snap to it out of our slumber and be awakened again to all that Jesus has done and all that God desires to do in us as we live faithfully to him and, and for him. What a great opportunity for us as we receive these elements this morning to, 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 make a, a, to remind ourselves that, that this is the kind of, of, of Jesus that we, we want to put on. This Jesus, this very one who went to the cross and suffered and died, that we might be forgiven, that we might know new life. And what a moment for us as we consider all of that to commit ourselves again to him and to this, um, this longing and this desire to be wide awake as he does his work in us. Let's pray together, can we? Thanks, God. We worship you and we adore you. We give you thanks today for all that you have done through Jesus. We thank you that you have set a new, a, a new age into motion. A, a new day has dawned. And from the darkness, there comes light. And we long today to be people who are awakening from the slumber of the, the same old, same old into the possibilities of what you are calling us to do and who you are calling us to be in this, in this new day. We, we long to be people who are, who, are, who are not satisfied with just going through the motions, but who are longing to, to ensure that we, that we catch all the moments that you have for us, God. That we, that we lean into all that you are inviting us to be and, and become. God, we long to live for you today. We long to put on Jesus. We long to let go of the deeds of darkness. Perhaps some of us are still so deeply connected or these things are attached in, in very significant ways to our lives. God, may we, may we allow your spirit to set us free that we might put on Jesus, put on the character of Christ in our minds and in our bodies that we might live 
for you. May we make plans only to bring glory and honor to you and not to indulge our own sinful desires. And Jesus, as we come to this table today, this table that you have invited us to, those who would, who would uh, long to follow after you, Jesus, we come with, with, with hearts and minds that we know need to be awakened even more so today. And so we pray that as we receive the bread and dip it into the cup, that we would come face to face with the depth of your love for us, Jesus, with the extent of your sacrifice, and with the clarity of your call to follow after you in all that we do and all that we are. We pray that this moment would be one where bells go off in our, in our spirits, where, where bells go off in our hearts and our minds, and, and we again are awakened to the possibilities that lie before us. Oh, God, thank you for these good gifts. Thank you that it was on that night that he was betrayed that Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he, and he blessed it and he told them that this was his body broken for them. And he says it to us, my body broken for you. Take of it and eat. And in the same way, he took the cup and he blessed it and he passed it to them and said, this is the, the, the symbol of my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of your sin. Take of it and drink. And when you do all of this, remember me. We're so thankful for that promise and for that invitation. And so, Lord Jesus, today we come with hopeful and expectant hearts. Meet us here and renew us with your presence. Strengthen us with your love. Change us by your grace. We love you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.